0: I'd like to dedicate this, Tanya, to my great-grandfather, Hoshea ben Ephraim, whose site was Shabbat, and his wife, Margul Avraham Meir, whose yortzite was Ches ben Aliyah for Beginning the fifth letter of this section. And the letter begins by quoting the verse It says, And David made a name. It's a verse from prophets describing King David which is understood simply that maybe David gave the Jewish people a good name by bearing the dead of the enemies or David made a name for himself through his heroism on the Kabbalistic level the Zohar explains that the name that he made was God's name that David did justice and charity with all his people making God's name and on this the Zohar continues that who makes God's holy name every day? He who gives charity to the poor. And we have two questions on this. How can we say we make God's holy name? And if we can make God's holy name, how are we making the name through the giving of charity? So to understand this, we're going to talk about something else for a long time. We're going to understand something else that I say to say, that by the divine name, comprised of two letters, a Yud and a hey. that's one of God's divine names. God is the strength of the world. Now the Hebrew word for strength, sur, etymologically connects to the idea of creation or forming. So another level of understanding this verse is by the divine name Yud and He, God formed, God created the world. So on this our sages explain. So we have the name of God, which is comprised of two letters, Yud and He. And our sages say this world was formed by the He of the divine name Yud and He and the world to come was formed by the Yud of the divine name Yud and He. So now what we're going to do is explain the connections here. What does it mean that the world to come The Gan Eden, Garden of Eden reality, is formed by the Yud of God's name? And what does it mean that our world is formed by the He of God's name? So focusing on the Garden of Eden, meaning here the repository of the souls after they've been in this world, the heaven, the spiritual reward. So what's going on in that spiritual reward? What's going on is the souls enjoy the divine presence that's radiating in the various gardens of Eden, which is the pleasure they have in apprehending in their conception of God. And each one, of course, has a different ability to comprehend God based on their life in this world, based on, as the Rebbe says, their level and their deeds, level meaning, this is an explanation of the Rebbe's father, that level means those souls that are found in the upper, higher Garden of Eden, that their comprehension of godliness is commensurate with the level of their devout intent, the level of the desires of their heart, of their unbound yearning to cleave with God. The not as high souls, the lower souls in the lower Garden of Eden is referring to as the person that his comprehension is determined by his deeds. Because based on the actual performance of the practical commandments, those are the deeds through which we have the vehicles to absorb God and have this comprehension of God in the Garden of Eden. So the delight the souls are experiencing in the Garden of Eden, in the higher or lower Garden of Eden, based on their level of service, is the intellectual delight, the delight of apprehending godliness. Which is why, kabbalistically, We refer to this reality as Bina, understanding, comprehension. It's a world where the souls comprehend godliness and that's their pleasure. Even though we're saying this is a world of comprehension of godliness, the energy here is not flowing from the plane of divine comprehension, of divine understanding, referred to in Hebrew as Bina. But it's actually flowing from a higher plane, from the seminal wisdom from Ha, which is the source of the comprehension of the vina, of the understanding of the comprehension. This seminal wisdom is the primordial stage of the intellect. Before we can have understanding at all, we are not it's not even the level of seminal wisdom which has descended to become the source of comprehension. It's beyond that. At this point comprehension is completely obscured. They have completely transcended the concept of comprehension. This is the ultimate essence point of seminal wisdom, which is completely beyond any revealed intellect. So this level, from this level of God's divine attribute, from seminal wisdom, there's a tremendous constriction the light becomes much smaller, light becomes attenuated to descend into understanding, make it possible for a soul to understand a concept which is intrinsically concealed and non rational And this, therefore, is why we refer to this world, the Garden of Eden, the world to come, as formed by the Yud of God's name, because the youth of God's name refers to the divine attribute of seminal wisdom. This is also, we refer to seminal wisdom as the father who founded the daughter. If the seminal wisdom is the father, father here meaning source. Of the daughter, the daughter meaning the letters of speech, which is a level of the daughter, the lowest of the ten divine attributes, God's sovereignty, from which forms God's speech. And now we're going to go into a long explanation on this concept of seminal wisdom being the father who founded the daughter. In other words, we would think that letters of speech maybe come from emotion or come from comprehension because a person articulates speech when he wants to express an emotion or he wants to express comprehension. But the Rev is going to explain that no. Letters of speech derive from seminal wisdom which completely transcends comprehension. How do we see that? The Rev explains something very interesting. If you've ever had a child in speech therapy, maybe you'd understand or see where we're going here. Letters do not... Emanate from the soul as a result of an intellectual imperative. It's not a natural faculty that we want, for example, to move our lips a certain way to produce a certain noise. And it's not an intellectual faculty that I want to produce a certain noise and therefore I'm going to think of the way I want to move my lips or any of the other parts of speech. Speech comes from the larynx, the palate, the tongue, the teeth, and the lips. So I'm going to consciously move my tongue a certain way and move my lips a certain way and turn on my voice a certain way to produce a certain sound. I None of us do that. Again, unless maybe someone who needed a lot of extensive therapy to have to be consciously taught something that's natural for the rest of us. So now the rub is going to focus on the lips because of the larynx and palate and tongue and teeth and lips. The lips is the most extraneous one. It's the one most visible we can understand what the Reb is saying with that faculty, but it's true for all of them. So through the lips, we make four sounds, the B, V, M, and P. Now, to make those sounds, which are four different sounds, but they're all coming from the, based on the movement of the lips, we have to move our lips a certain way to make those sounds. In other words, the breath is the same. What's different is the movement of the lips. So we have the same breath. And the same sound. But if I move my lips one way, I get a And if I move my lips a different way, I get a Now, we don't think about it. It's not a conscious mental effort. Well, I want to say b, so I'm telling my lips to move a certain way. It's not conversely natural. Meaning it's not that I like to move my lips a certain way. When I move my lips a certain way, hey, this cool sound comes out. Neither of those things are going on not coming from my intellect, that I'm consciously thinking to move my lips a certain way to get a sound. And it's not coming from my nature, that I like to move my lips a certain way, and then when I do so, a sound comes forth. So why or how am I doing this? How do I know how to do this? It's just spontaneous. If I want to sound, bleh, my lips just naturally go in the way the "b" sounds. Meaning I'm not trying to move my lips to create that sound. I'm trying to make the sound and my lips know what to do when I want to make that sound. So what is that showing me? What it's showing is that the pronunciation of the letters, and the same is true, of course, for the vowels, transcends comprehensible intellect. It's not an intellectual process. I'm not intellectually thinking how to move my lips. They just move when I want to make that sound. Where is it coming from? So it's coming from the, the seminal wisdom, the hidden intellect, the primordial stage of intellect, which is why our sages say an infant can't speak even though he understands, meaning his revealed intellect is developed, he understands, but this more refined hidden intellect has not yet been developed and that's why he can't speak. That's where speech comes from. That's the part of the soul that's telling yourself what to do to make those sounds when you want to speak. So what is this level? This is the level of seminal wisdom, the level that transcends intellect, the level of kachma, the level of the yud. And that's why we say the father founded the daughter, that the seminal wisdom of the father is the source, of the letters of speech, the daughter. So all of this is explaining to me why we say the world to come, the Garden of Eden spiritual abode of delight, of reward after this world created by, by the Seminal Wisdom, which is the source of all this energy that transcends intellect. And the source ultimately of the letters of God's speech. But if that's true, if the seminal wisdom is a source of the letters of speech as we just spent a long time explaining, then seemingly our world, which is also formed by God's divine speech, should also be coming from the Yud. Why do our sages say that the Garden of Eden world is formed by the Yud, the seminal wisdom? Our world is formed by the Hay, which is the next level, a lower level, the level of comprehension.